created live on Fireside. Welcome, I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me live on Fireside Chat, where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience. I am your host, Lori Lee Binstock. Everyone has an opportunity to ask me or our guest questions by requesting to hop on stage or sending a message in the chat box. I will try to get to you as soon as I can, but I do ask that everybody be respectful. Today's guest is Corinne Coppola, mental health coach, IFS practitioner, trauma recovery specialist, and founder of Rest Retreats. Corinne, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Laura Lee. My pleasure. And it's just to let you know the pronunciation is Corrine Coppola. Corrine Coppola. Thank you so much for, for um, correcting me because I probably would have called you Corinne the whole time. So thank you no so problem. much. No problem. Well, first of all, I want to talk about your journey to get you to where you are now. Really, what made you want to work as a mental health coach? It's a really good question. I never thought I'd wind up here for sure. Um, when I was a little girl, I told my parents that I wanted to be a counselor. You know, back then it was called counselor, not um, therapist. And they said, well, you're not going to earn any money doing that. You better go into business. Mm. So that's what I did at the time. And then <clears throat> I found my way, you know, I was in the business world for a number of years, worked for nonprofit, for profit, have my master's in organization development, and then discovered yoga and mindfulness as a practice to help ground me, keep me steady. Um, I had three young children at the time. And I thought, wow, this is really a way that I can help service people and help them because it helped those practices really helped me so much. And then I started teaching. And then I worked for a nonprofit bringing mindfulness into the schools. And I started working on retreats and um, things just and then I was brought to a practice called internal family systems. And I thought, wow, mm. this is really phenomenal and powerful for me in my own healing journey. And I thought I really want to be able to do this with people so that they can also rewrite their past. And that's how I got to where I am. That being said, there's also, um, you know, some trauma throughout my childhood and my adult life that came to play into being motivated to heal, you know. And um, that's how now I am working with people in one-on-one -on -one and small groups and leading retreats. And I could not be more in alignment and more grateful and um, happy. So that's so wonderful. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You, you you know you were working in a traditional setting, even though you were were you know empowered by mindfulness. But was it the trauma that actually had you move to towards, you know, being this founder of these retreats and, and mm -hmm. all of this? 
and even mm-hmm. trauma recovery. I, I know mm-hmm. that you are a specialist. Mm-hmm. Was was there was there something that clicked where you said, "Huh, this is what I want to go this route to help people recover from trauma." Yeah, that is such a great question, Laura Lee. Um, and we'll be piecing it together. Great <laughs> questions. Um, so yes, the answer is yes. Well, when I first started taking yoga, I belonged to a gym, and one of my girlfriends was like, "Oh, you've got to." you got to come to this 8 a.m. Sunday class. I'm like, uh, no, that is my morning. <laughs> no, 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 that won't be happening. And the the other side of that, actually, when I began my yoga journey, my youngest, my oldest daughter was only about two years old, 18 months to two years. And I was working part time, finishing my master's part time. And one of my friends had said, you really got to try yoga class. I'm like, OK, what else? Mm-hmm. And um, was for those of you familiar with um, yoga, Shavasana is the final relaxation pose. And when I went into Shavasana, I felt like I was home. I was like, Mm. wow, this is pretty powerful. But then I had my second child and I had difficult births. So like, I wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't then what it is now because he's 22, my daughter's 24. And I have another son who's 20, you know, 20 years ago, there wasn't the knowledge that prenatal yoga was okay for women who had complications. So Mm. then fast forward to my youngest being three and my girlfriend inviting me to this class at the gym and I, and she was a phenomenal instructor. Finally, I went, she was a phenomenal instructor. And I thought, okay, I've got to get back to yoga in a serious way. So <clears throat> found a studio that was close to my house and that I had originally gone to years before and started to do additional classes there. And while there, I was volunteering at the front desk um, and there was a book by a woman by the name of Maya Tuari, and it was about how she healed herself from like stage four cancer through Ayurvedic practices that were in her background, but she had been a go, 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 you know, fashion designer in New York. And it was called a path of practice. And I was just fascinated by that. And one day I was in um, a group setting. I was in a trauma recovery group um, myself as a participant for sexual abuse. I had, experienced um, from a close family member. And Mm. I hadn't had those memories until I was 40. I am now 56. So I thought to myself when I was in that group, it just came to me like, oh, this is how yoga has been so healing for me. I have to bring these practices to women and children you know? And from there, it was um, David Emerson and Bessel van der Kolk. Um, I think I was in their second cohort up at Kripalu for trauma for, um, I mean, excuse me, yoga for trauma. And my journey sort of just started to unravel from there. Um, Started to, I, I went myself on a retreat for women survivors of sexual violence. And then they invited me back the next year to co-lead. So I co-led that retreat for 10 years. And it was so powerful 
for me to see the transformation that could happen in two and a half days. And Mm -hmm. by being in nature, by being in play, we weren't talking about our stories, right? We were in our bodies. There was movement, light yoga, some drumming, some meditation, you know, just really back to being a kid. And so then in my, um, in my journey, I, unfortunately, when my daughter was 14, so this was about, um, this was 10 years ago, there was a suicide cluster at her high school. And I thought to myself, I can't just sit on the sidelines with this. And knowing how these practices, these somatic practices can really help I was able to partner with a um, organization that was just blossoming. This was 2013. And, um, you know, I said to them, we have to bring these practices to the schools in Northern Virginia, which is where I was living at the time. And it sort of came from that. And I worked with them for four years. We got the school board involved. We had a lot of high schools, you know, um, hundreds and then into the thousands of young people and adults, you know, the teachers and the parents. And from there started to do, um, started to co-lead and manage retreats for teens and then also adults. And now here I am. So yeah, it's just sort of like following the next best thing, right? The next Mm -hmm. best that like, I did not have like the super plan vision. And at the same time, like I didn't have a path, but I had a vision. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like I knew nine, 10 years ago when I was in Costa Rica, I want to lead a retreat back here in Costa Rica. And this March I'm leading a retreat, my first retreat in Costa Rica. So I would really, you know, for me, it's just been following the breadcrumbs, you know, And with the intention to serve, the intention to serve, like how can I use my gifts to serve? And in the same time, you know, make a living. So that's that's a long answer to your short question. No, I love it. Thank you so much. I I love what you're talking about when when you talk about your your experience in this retreat with it was just play. It was you were in your body, you weren't in your head. Um, is that what your rest retreats are? Could you talk a little bit about that? I, I, it's it's an acronym, right? Right, right. It's right. an acronym. So the R is for relax. The X is for, the E, excuse me, the E <laughs> is for examine. The S is for surrender. And the T stands for transformation. So These retreats that I guide people on are different than the survivor retreats that I did. There are elements in this retreat. Um, So, and I also give one-on-one VIP retreats out in Chincoteague, Virginia, where I live part-time on the Eastern shore. Um, And so the rest will be the first two days, you know, as people sort of enter, we're doing a relaxation, integration, arriving, 
The second day I have a healer who's going to do a beautiful sound journey for us. You know, <clears throat> then day three, we get in three and four, we get into examine, right? What patterns, because my the retreat is called healing the heart. So what patterns have arisen in which I am not living to the full potential of who I can be in this world, right? It's sort of beginning to what's called excavating the heart. So practices like um, each, each day will be themed out. So for example, covered in compassion, right? Love and letting go. So we have to let go of some things in order and have compassion for ourselves and the others so that we can we can be on this continuum of healing then you know the surrender um i have a surprise uh planned but we also have a magnificent breath worker that will be leading us in a workshop you know in terms of letting go there'll be journaling there'll be arts and crafts tables there'll be walks in nature and then we get to t right the the s is surrender where we're letting go and um we have i'm just going to say we have a musician coming in um to really help us let go on all levels we'll be doing sunset walks um fire circle. And then the T is for transformation. And the last um, two days, the last day is a cacao ceremony um, with a woman psychologist who I met last year who was down there and she's from Costa Rica and just this beautiful healing heart three hour ceremony that we'll be having. Um, And I'm keeping it small intentionally, you know, 11 spots um, with some women who are really just phenomenal and are there to do some deep work. You know, this, it's not therapy. It's not, you know, that's not what I'm, what, what my intention is. It's really to create the safe community, safe, sacred community that women can show up as their best selves, like all of their parts, parts that have been forgotten. Like, who was I when I was six, seven, eight years old, and I was magic, and who took away that magic? Like, let Mm. me reconnect with that spirit, that sacredness inside, so that I can then bring these practices into my life and live in a way that is in alignment with who I want to be and who I am. Wow. Did You know, you talked about IFS and I hear you talking about parts. I have a lot of respect for IFS. I'm actually in IFS therapy every week. Um, is Do you bring that to your rest retreats? So it depends on what the client wants, right? So Mm. for the one-on-one, yes, absolutely. For the small group um, retreats, this is not, IFS is not the focus. Mm. However, I can't not do it. Meaning (laughs) that, 
you know, that's who I am is, you know, speaking in like some of the journaling questions will be internal family systems based, but it's not as if we're going to be having therapeutic sharing circles, right? That mm-hmm. we're going to be doing parts work. That's another type of retreat that I host. So, you know, it is, there will be parts work. And at the same time, it's not going to be group therapy. People are there also to like, what's really important to me is the four or five hours of quiet time that we'll have every afternoon. Mm -hmm. So if you want to sit by the pool and be quiet, that's awesome. Go to your room, take a nap. You want to go on excursions to go kayaking, horseback riding, surf lessons, you go do it. Zip lining, you know, so that people can really customize this experience to what they feel they want and need so that, you know, everything is optional. That's really, really important to me is to give everyone choice, you know, um, because we're all adults and oftentimes in life, we feel like we don't have choices. I mean, you know, that's for me. I can only, I should only. No, I feel that too. I feel that too. (laughs) I feel last week I actually got in a ski accident and I feel like I could have a, I, I, there, I have choices to say I need to rest. This was before the accident because my life was just jam packed with so much stuff and trying to catch up from the end of last year, you know, from the holidays. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need a break. But I just felt like I couldn't get a break until I literally got in a little skiing accident. And all of a sudden I was in bed for a week and I was like, I really feel like the universe is listening to me. Um, (laughs) But yes, it was, it was really, you know, there are times where I'm like, I feel like I'm an adult and I don't have a choice. Like I have Mm -hmm. to cook dinner. I have to, Mm -hmm. you know, I, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to do all these things. So it's nice. You know, I've looked at your retreats and I'm like, oh, this, you know, this would be amazing for me. (laughs) Um, unfortunately, my husband will be leaving to go out of the country during that time. So I have to be with my children, but I am looking forward <laughs> to going to one of your retreats. Um, oh, beautiful. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm um, sorry I, to hear about your your skiing accident. You know, it's really funny because I, I literally was telling my, my IFS practitioner the week before, I'm like, I just feel like I, I need a break. I need a break. Mm. I can't. I feel like I keep going, 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 and I feel guilty. I would feel guilty if I was like, I need, I'm going to be in bed. The thing is, the universe heard me and was like, okay, we'll do this. And, you know, my leg wasn't hurting when I was resting, but it it was hurting when I was walking. So, um, or attempting to. So I I felt like, you know, it's one of those things, you're, you're, you need a break. People need Mm -hmm. breaks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it'll be a forced one. Um, and sometimes right. it's going to come at the most inopportune times. And I think what I've learned through my healing journey is that, you know, everything kind of happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. This is the, there signs and signals that are telling us, you know, it's time to rest. And it, it's, it's our choice to listen and not listen. Um, right. I love that. Like oftentimes I'll say to my clients and not only my clients, but you know, in general, it just comes out of my mouth. Like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That really helps me when I'm in a funk, you know, when I am feeling like, really? This is really what's happening? Oh, right. 
I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And then the gratitude practice. I mean, I am a huge, huge believer of how, and science is, proves it, you know, but of how gratitude has really changed my life. Mm. You know, the, the thing that it most importantly has led me to is the characteristic of acceptance. Like, how can I be really thankful for the turmoil that's happening right now in my life? you know, or in a relationship. And then maybe not at that moment, you know, I'm not able to see the the good in it, but still I'm being thankful for it because then I usually it is revealed to me that, you know, I am able to see what, um, just like what you said, you know, what the purpose, oh, this was leading me to more forgiveness. Okay. (laughs) It's so funny how long it took me to figure that out. It took me Mm -hmm. so long because people would be like, just be grateful. You know, I would have those to-do lists, like those um, like padded to-do list papers that have says like, you know, here's your here's a little checkbox and here, write what you have to do. And at the top of the page, it would say, I am grateful for blank. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I would never <laughs> write it in. I would just write my list. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, I never understood the, the power of gratitude. And it's also interesting because when I think about earlier in our conversation, you talked about um, Shavasana, you know, the corpse pose, mm-hmm. when, when you mm-hmm. found transformation, transformation and epiphany in that moment Mm -hmm. you know before I went into treatment before I was um you know went to residential treatment and I would do yoga I did I thought I did yoga for you know the lengthening and strengthening um and Mm. flexibility and when we would get into shavasana pose I would literally sit there and think about okay so what are the things I need to do today Mm -hmm. and I never Mm -hmm. understood the importance of Shavasana because when I went to treatment, it was like I learned this whole idea that Shavasana is where you're integrating your practice. And I'm mm-hmm. like, really? Mm-hmm. And that changed mm-hmm. my life. It's it's funny the things that people tell you because, you know, people are like, oh, Shavasana is important. I'm like, oh, yeah, rest is important. Sure, whatever. And then, I, you know, <laughs> you, you move on, you do your thing, and then mm-hmm. you you realize, like, it, it just took me so long to really mm. absorb the, the the practice of rest, the practice of mm-hmm. gratitude. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that really changed everything for me. Yeah, least. yeah. I hear you. You're preaching to the choir because, <laughs> you know, when I did used to teach public and private yoga classes, you know, I would say Shavasana is the most important pose. And it's also something that you can take at any time, you know, and it's something that we don't do like, and, mm-hmm. and oftentimes that's what happens is we're, we're resting and then everything floats to the surface. So when people come on meditation retreats, it's like, you know, what they call sloth and st- sloth happens because people start falling asleep the first, you know, day or two, because they realize how tired their body is, mm-hmm. you know, that it's like the head nod and people can't stay awake. And that's just like a normal, um, you know, part of what happens is like, 
oh, this is what happens when I dial it down. And there's an author and speaker, her name is Sandra Dalton-Smith. I don't know if you've, she's got a book called Sacred Rest. And she identifies seven different types of rest, which I can't rattle off the top of my head right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think that is so, such an interesting perspective to look at, oh, oftentimes we just feel rest is like the physical. But there's also emotional rest, social rest, you know, all these different types of rest that we need. Like sometimes social rest means interacting with others. Sometimes social rest means, oh, I need to pull back, you know, and and it's not just as you know, it's not just what oftentimes like spa days and, you know, no, 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 no. It can be for me. One of my rest practices is between three and four o'clock every day. I don't schedule calls or meetings or anything between three and four so that maybe it is used to respond to emails, but there's usually at least a 10 minute, 10 minute window that I have for myself that I have to go meditate or pray Mm -hmm. or that I do put my head down on a pillow because that completely refreshes us. And something that I learned that you might already know is that at three o'clock, like middle afternoon, three, four o'clock, our cortisol levels lower. Mm, And this whole practice that I started, started over the pandemic. I was noticing that, oh, I'm pretty tired right now. And three or four o'clock was the time when my second day began right? That I would work until three or four. And then I'd go pick the kids up from school, take them to different activities, go, 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 go. And then when that didn't happen during the pandemic, I was able to listen to my body. And I was like, oh, isn't this interesting? (laughs) So that's how it sort of came up for me. It's not like, oh, let me do this. It was me listening to my body. Yes, absolutely. I, I, it's 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 so it's so hard to listen to your body when there's so many things going on. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think mm-hmm. that quiet time, that meditation time is is the time for, you know, to really be able to listen to what's happening there. Um I do want to ask mm-hmm. what does it take to truly achieve transformation? Mm. First of all, that is a great question. I would retract the word achieve. Mm. And um, so what does it take to achieve transformation? Because that then makes it a goal, right? Mm. Which we all want, like we all want this different life. Like right before this call, I happened to be at a, at a yoga class and the, the teacher was just phenomenal. And, I said to her, you need to be teaching in Costa Rica. And I didn't know that she was, um, you know, head of the teacher training program at the studio, blah, 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 blah. She's like, well, you know, I have my kids and da, da, da. And I thought, yeah, yeah, but you can maybe go guest teach, you know, to myself. And like, what, what could the possibilities be? So I think one of the first things we have to get out of our own way. And when I say we have to get out of our own way, you know, people talk all the time about like letting go of limiting beliefs. 
And I'm going to flip that on the head maybe and maybe open yourself to a possibility and open yourself to the possibility of what do I really enjoy doing? Maybe it's baking cookies and you start baking cookies a little bit more and giving them away. And then all of a sudden you have a cookie business. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just really um, asking yourself the question, if I didn't have to be perfect at, I would like to blank, right? If I didn't need to be perfect, what what is one thing that really lights me up? What is the one thing? And it might be, I, you know, and, and it's at this moment, like I didn't know when I started on this path, like when I started taking yoga again, that I would someday be an internal family systems practitioner, mental health coach and mm. running retreats. Like I didn't have that vision. I just knew that taking yoga and then maybe teaching yoga because what I did in the past you know, part of my job was presentations and I worked in organization development and I trained people on performance management and I trained people on career consulting, you know, so, and, and leadership development. And I, so I knew that I loved getting up in front of groups. I had no problem doing that. And then the passion that I had for yoga because of how it was healing me and it was allowing me to be in my body. Wow. I wanted to bring that to everybody. So then I, you know, got into a teacher training and the teacher training back then was like, you know, two years long, every other weekend I did 300 hours. So went out to Montana. Um, So that's what I would say is the first step is just to like be open, sit quietly and say, what does really light me up? Oh, do I really love playing pickleball? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. what do I love doing? Do I love gathering people? Um, maybe you have, may- maybe you love cooking and you want to have a vegan cooking club. Like I'm not making this up. You know, what, what is it that lights you on fire and then follow that? So that's the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing is, acceptance like you know so that you're you're open and accepting of whatever is happening in that moment like i went through a lot of suffering and i still go through suffering <laughs> you know it's <laughs> not it's not like oh i'm happy go lucky and the, you know it happens to be a great day today i'm blessed enough to be on this call with you i went mm-hmm. to yoga class i walk the dogs. I did some work before all of that. Um, you know, but it's, it's having this theme of gratitude and when you're grateful throughout the day and then you're more accepting of, okay, well, my young, you know, my child snarked at me or my, my partner, you know, made a really inappropriate comment. Like, what am I doing to accept what is happening so that I don't have to be in suffering? And suffering happens when we want things to be different than it is, than they are. And I'm going to here to tell you, like, there was a day 
when I was going through my divorce that I had $260 in my checking account. And I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I could sit there and I could complain and I could think of all the ways that this wasn't fair, or I could be grateful, go for a walk, shift my perspective. You know, I have a house, I have my kids are healthy. You know, I have food in in my cupboard that I can make for dinner. And it's not always going to be this way. Like the two words that are helpful for transformation, I feel, are for now. This is only happening for now. Mm, Good, bad, in between, you know. So those are some of, that's how I think I would, you know, answer your question is more around like acceptance, being with what is, acceptance, and then, you know, for now. And and knowing what, what lights you up, you know, what are you passionate about? And it's not as if I was doing what I'm doing now. It's not like I woke up out of bed and was like, oh, I'm going to run retreats in Costa Rica. No, it didn't happen <laughs> that way. It's taken me 10 years, right? So mm. anyway. Wow. Did, <clears throat> is this, is this what you hope for your clients after mm-hmm. they leave your retreats? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, and, and that has happened. And even, you know, just in, in when I work with clients one-on-one, it can be so powerful. Like I had a client la- this past week that she's had a lot of grief in her life. You know, three of her brothers passed away while she was growing up. I mean, it's just really heartbreaking. And when she came into connection with her grief, And it felt like these cotton balls in her chest and that it was, you know, just all of her heartbreaks and she was able to turn towards that and have compassion for it. She is now much more open and loving in her relationship with her partner because she had feared being in an intimate relationship because of all the grief and loss she's had in her life. And she's also a a young widow. You know, she was a young widow. So you know, it's really about giving people hope that you're hopeful about the future, that there is a purpose to my life, and that I can start over. And a couple of my clients that have been um, to one-on-one retreats to me out in Chincoteague, they now are establishing really thriving businesses because of some you know, past things that they were able to let go of. So once you clear that out, right, it's the excavating of the heart. Once we clear that out, oh, then it's like we can be open to the next thing. And at the same time, during those transitions, being open to the grief, like I'm an empty nester. And I thought I've been an empty nester since the fall of 2021. And I thought, okay, well, you know, a year I'll be, you know, on this little bit of a roller coaster emotionally. But, you know, I got to tell you, the fall hit and of 2022 and that grief was there a little differently, but it was still there. So, you know, just being with what is happening and accepting it and not pushing it away, right? It's really about turning towards the difficult stuff 
And when we turn towards it and we can have compassion and we stop running from it, then we can understand what the message is, what that part is needing, what we're needing. So I can talk all day about this, obviously. Oh, well, I, it's amazing um, what you're doing. And I do want to ask, how, how often mm-hmm. do your retreats go? Do you have so, them? yeah, so um, this is the first week long that I'm doing or eight night, eight days, seven nights. This is the first one I'm doing. All the other ones have been weekend retreats, you know, three days, two nights. I'm planning on expanding this coming fall to doing them um, four days, three nights and, you know, partnering with different people. And after I do my one in Costa Rica and come back to the East Coast, I'm actually going to be going on a road trip. So I'll Mm. be focusing mostly um, for my online clientele and not doing any physical um, retreats until the fall of 2023. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that's great. I will be looking for, please keep me posted on those. Cause um, I will. Yeah, I, I want to hear more. Is there for anything sure. else you'd like to add? Um, that is such a great question. I would like to add, I might not do this justice, but the Mother Teresa quote, like even doing the smallest things with the greatest amount of love, that no matter where you are in your life right now, how can I show up with the most love for myself, for the others? Like even if it's doing laundry, like can I do this in a loving way, in a grateful way? yeah, just doing the smallest things with the greatest love because it's really not that hard to be kind. And I just went to see a man named Otto last night and it was just such a lovely movie in terms of how, in terms of like a testament to how kindness, small kindnesses can change a life and save a life. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I would say is just even in the smallest ways, like it might sound corny, but right before you pick up the phone to make a call, that has to be potentially um, onerous, like a service call for an internet problem, (laughs) right? Can you smile and send the person love on the other side because they're doing the best they can too. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. Well, Corrine, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you, Laura Lee. It's been real, real deep honor um, for your for you to extend me your invitation and to have the opportunity to write um, an article for your magazine. I'm just mm-hmm. so honored. Well, I'm honored for you to join us. Um, and l- let me, am I saying your name right? Corrine Coppola? Yes. I got it. You got it, Lorelei. Well, thanks again. That was Corrine Coppola, mental health coach, IFS practitioner, trauma recovery specialist, and founder of Rest Retreats. For more information on Corrine, click on that scrolling fortune cookie right there in the middle of your screen. Also, January's issue of Authentic Insider is out, which Corrine 
has also contributed to and where you can find um, you can find that information on her retreats and just check out Authentic Insider at TraumaSurvivorThriver.com. That's TraumaSurvivorThriver.com. February's issue of Authentic Insider is comes out tomorrow, actually. If you haven't already, please subscribe to my email list to get Authentic Insider magazine in your inbox monthly. Thank you again for joining me. Join me live next week on Fireside when I speak with Keisha Chanel, author, speaker, and healer. You've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast on Fireside. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Again, thank you for being a part of the conversation. Take care.